love it when you tell me that we're gonna be in movies They make out like it's so hard but there's really nothing to it I love it when you tell me that we're gonna be in movies I don't mind dying if that's how we gotta do it Welcome, welcome, welcome Ladies and gentlemen Boys and girls of all ages Welcome back to another edition of Make It Big. I'm your host, Paul Stinson, uh, here to talk to yet another performing artist about the meaning of success and other dirty words. This week's guest, very excited, needs no introduction really. It is Brett Anderson of the Donnas and also of my band, the Strip Miners, many other projects which she'll talk about. She is probably one of the smartest people I know, very well-spoken, always has something interesting to say, no matter uh, what you're talking about. Just a really interesting person, all kinds of great insights. We get into lots of cool stories, uh, lots of viewpoints that she has, and based on extensive experience. The Donna's, of course, one of the I think, greatest rock and roll bands of all time, certainly in the, quote, indie uh, scene. If you were alive and listening to the radio or watching MTV during the 2000s, you certainly know who they are. So, going to be brief and get right into it. Uh, stuff coming up. I've got shows, various things, uh, news, Go to paulstinsonmusic.com, check it all out, see what's, uh, see what's coming up. You can also get the podcast there, listen to a bunch of my music, including the Strip Miners, uh, other bands. So, without further ado, let us get right into it. My interview with the awesome Brett Anderson on Make It Big. All right, let's see. I think we might be rolling. Okay, cool. How about that? Sounds great. Yes. All right, Brett Anderson, what's going on? Well, the refrigerator just got quiet. Well, good. It yeah. should. Hopefully that will enable us to hear the people upstairs stomping it, around. It knows we're having a very important conversation. <laughs> I knew enough to be silent. Oh, oh don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's... Um, so the concept of the podcast is uh, sort of the meaning of success in the arts generally. Mm -hmm. You know, should we care about it... Uh, what what is success and how do we get it and you know uh do we define it monetarily or artistic wise or blah 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 you know yep um so if you want to start backwards by mm -hmm. talking maybe about what you are currently doing and what you have to go do in a couple hours yeah uh <laughs> sure and you can de-identify it or, or or whatever you can keep people anonymous if need be. Oh, oh, is that what de-identify means? No, I don't know. I was pretending I earlier when you said it. Sure. <laughs> I think I got that from a spy movie or something. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so, so tonight I'm going into the studio, uh, I think, to record one word. Excellent. Yes. Is it an important word or is it yeah, like a Yeah, it's girl. A That's word? an important girl? word. Girl? Girl okay. is a very important word. It's, it's loaded, you know? It is. It's like, it's important... Uh, because if you put it in front of band, it just changes the whole thing. Right? Mm -hmm. Being a girl is not a genre, I think you yes, said in I, an interview. I said that before. <laughs> Which I definitely want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so for this purpose, though, it was, um, 
it's a commercial that I sang the song for. Did you write the song too? I uh, wrote it with my friend. Okay. And uh, he does the instrumentation, and I think uh, he does a lot of it. He he's pretty creative and productive. And you've worked with him on a few things, right? Like trying to place commercial stuff, jingles. Yeah. Do you call them jingles these days? Well, or? what's weird is we've written a bunch of songs together now at this point, but the things that have actually gone through are like the ones where I say like three words or something. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> when you put that in the context of success, it makes me question my <laughs> abilities. <laughs> but I know he's, I know he's good. <laughs> well, that's a good question. So you're working in, I guess, what would... I mean, it's literally commercial because you're making commercials or, or, or trying right, to make commercials. Right. And I guess in that world, is it all defined by, you know, placement and money, basically? Or well, I is mean, the way that component? I see it is like a little puzzle, you know, mm-hmm. and I always say yes. And if even if, like, I'm busy, I'll try to cancel whatever I have. That's a priority of mine because it's, well, it's like the lottery. So if it does get picked up, it's amazing. Also, it's really fun, and it's a way to put everything I've learned about making music to work in this little microcosm. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like, okay, here we've got to do this and this and this in this amount of time. Like, think of everything that you know about writing songs. How can you, like, squash those all into this little nugget? And when you talk about, like, a little nugget, like, is it literally a 30-second thing? or Sometimes it's 30 seconds. Less? They've been doing this thing lately, which is... So funny. They want it to sound authentic. So they will, they want you to make a 30 second clip that sounds like it's taken out of a full song. Or at one point we did a song, we did a 30 second clip or maybe it was a minute, but they liked it. And so they wanted to go back and make a whole song. (laughs) That's completely backwards. It was it was pretty funny. But was it like a verse chorus? And sort I was of complaining. Already? I found myself complaining about it when really it's a compliment, you know. But that's something I think that happens a lot in music and success related things is we complain about things that are actually compliments a lot. Sure. You know, which yeah. could fall under the title of humble bragging. Humble bragging. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that one. Well, it's something to really watch out for. Well, I guess that's really true in that because. They come to you with like, we need a one minute thing that sounds like it's an excerpt from a song, and then mm-hmm. you do it, and they're like, well, okay, we just we just want the whole song. Yeah. Like, well, we could have just done that to begin. With. Right, right, <laughs> right. It's annoying. Now a we little, have to go it's back. A, yeah. it's a little annoying, but it's annoying in a way that like an encore is annoying. Like, uh, oh, are you annoyed that we want you to play more songs? Were you busy? <laughs> Were you ready to go like get wasted? Because we could have put that song in the set, just the regular yeah, set. Oh god, yeah. I'm so annoyed. I have to play a show tonight. Play, yeah. People want me to get on stage. They haul this. I have to stage. come back. Yeah, yeah, and then I have to come back and do more. You know, that's that's a humble brag, for Did sure. Did you ever have a point where you were doing a show and you were literally like, God, I just don't want to, like you were ill or anything? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. millions of times. The time I thought my mom was dead. That that could do it. Yeah, that I would did really not want to be on stage on that day singing about BJ's. <laughs> yeah, wow, that sounds awful. She was awful. in Africa. They're, they're, it's not Doctors Without Borders, but it's a comparable program. Right. And their car got hit by a semi with a drunk driver. Oh, my God. The, the van full of doctors and nurses got hit. Holy shit. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. What year was that? Mm, somewhere between 1920 and <laughs> 2000. Good. 
It's a de-identified year. It was after the prohibition. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Yeah. I don't know, 2003 or five or something? Sure. Was she, did she get any injuries? She did. She she broke her pelvis. Oh, my God. I had no she idea. She was stuck in Africa for a couple weeks. Wow. But they said, right before the show, they said that someone had died, but they didn't know who. And it had gone through other channels to get to me because, you know, that's not protocol. Right. So we were in Iowa or Idaho, and I was just like, okay. So that was before the show in general. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It was show must go on. And- show must go on. It's so weird. And now, like, if I, you know, don't want to go to work one day, I just think about how it used to be. And I'm like, wow, I have softened up. <laughs> <laughs> Your standards have lowered. But it's easier when you're in a band. It's representing other people. Like this bigger thing, like the band is a bigger thing. Yeah. No, it's true. You, know? if it's you just sort of you, have obligations to other people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you'd think, and I'm sure there are some people who their own reputation is as important. But for me, it just turns out, I think, uh, once I'm in a band, I think of that band as more important. Right. Did you have to cancel any other shows or anything? To... No. Oh, okay. Just did it. She and was, then you, she you got alive. the news She's that she was... She's alive now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I was going to say, she didn't seem to have any lasting injuries, although I don't know. <laughs> nope. No, she's great. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there have been times that I did not want to be on stage. And, and yeah. yeah, a lot. there's a lot of just reversal in good and bad. You know, things that are really great opportunities sometimes feel like a burden until you really step back and think about it and go, oh, my God, I could be, you know, working at a desk in a cubicle right now. Right. But then when I was working in a cubicle at a desk, (laughs) I I was stoked on that. (laughs) This is so mindless. But only because I had already been on tour. Yes. Yes. Well, what... um... I was going to (laughs) say, there's no way to compare those to whatsoever but I guess the way we started is the concept of even if you were an artist you have to make a living you know somehow Mm -hmm. and so maybe you're lucky enough to be supported by your art Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people get to that level and but a lot of people are like not quite there and still have to do something to make ends meet and I'm interested in the people who sort of branch out creatively within their field mm. to try and find, you know, like commercial work mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is. Things that are complementary. Things that are complementary, yeah, that sort of keep you in that world. Right. And you've sort of done that. Yeah. Well, working at Taxi was like that a lot. Yeah. Because I got yeah. to, instead of constantly producing music, I was consuming it. Right. And that was a really cool exercise and, you know either making the noise or listening to the noise. Right, you know? right. And it changed my perspective on songwriting and it changed my perspective on my own abilities, you know, because I constantly be at work thinking, oh my God, like, what if I heard one of my own songs? What would I give it, you know? Wow, but that's so much harder because... Oh, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you'd have to, obviously there's no way to test that because you'd have to not know it was you. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. But, you know, you kind of can do that every once in a while if you're iTunes is on random and a song comes on and you don't recognize it at first and then you realize it's you. Like there's that one little window where you're like, what's this song? Oh, it's me. Or like, <laughs> yeah, what's this yeah. song? Oh, it's me. And both of those have happened. I've, I've definitely had that where it's not necessarily like, oh, this is such a great song, but I'll be like, wow, we did a good job on mm, that. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like 
the success is set is getting a good version of what you're trying to do. Exactly. In other words, regardless of what you think of the song later on, it's like, well, that's what we set out to do, and we accomplished it 100%. Yeah. To me, that's like, you know, A, A+. Plus. And for being the kind of singer that I am, I have to really think in those terms a lot, because I'm never going to sing something that sounds technically accomplished to the level that, like, Laura Nero or something, you know? But... But you, I can accomplish a goal that I set out to accomplish. And you probably have plenty of people who disagree with that, too. But, you know, self-critically, I can imagine. Possibly. I mean, yeah, I mean, and there... Well, yeah, and whatever I do, there's... I don't know that you could duplicate that. But right. for me, that... I mean, and I'm not even just saying this, like, in a humble way, but I feel like it's just that these are, like, the parts I was born with. And so when I... I this is the noise I make, you right. know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. And And I did work for it and I've worked on it but like the this, this sense of control I have over my own voice or even like the way that the where my ideas come from is frustratingly little uh, I see sure yeah no I know what you mean I know what you mean but you have expanded greatly beyond you know what people might think of as your signature sound and I don't know if that's simply because, you know, before you were more constrained and the kind of music, quote, I'm making air quotes, <laughs> that you had to uh, be making, or if you always had that voice and those ideas inside you that it's, are more the yeah. lyrical and the harmonies and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always loved harmonies, and there was not a lot of room for that in rock, but I'm glad that we didn't indulge in that because it would have ruined it. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm Ruined really glad. Harmonies. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Like the dawn is. I, what I loved about that is the same thing I love about doing commercials is that you have these parameters, and your your challenge is like, what can you get away with within those parameters? Yeah. So how can you? How far can you push a boundary without making it like some lame fusion, mexa, like calid fragilis food? Fusion. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I do. Yeah. Like oh, we put this and that in a blender, and yeah. you know, like we. I always. We all always wanted our music to be authentic and rock and roll before anything else. Yeah. And yeah, just trying to, I mean, I did this talent show in fourth grade where we tried to fit every single thing into this one performance. And <laughs> I mean, was we it won. just you? <laughs> no, it was three of my friends. Oh, okay. And we put, I mean, it was, uh, we put a tap dance interlude. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> we put a ballet interlude. Oh. And the, but the whole, the whole song was Paul Abdul's song. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. There you go. And I learned, I mean. Cross dis we, discipline. Yeah. I learned quickly that that is, that's trying to do too many things and it ends up being nauseating. But then you guys won. So you're like, we did win, but see, there Celestines, you go. These Celestines, they have no idea the right, meaning of right. true art giving win us first place. <laughs> winning <laughs> isn't really Fools. winning. Right. Here's another example of winning, not really being winning. I got an achievement award at my community college last mm, semester. Yes. And on the award, they spelled achievement wrong. <laughs> 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 and I thought, thank you. <sighs> thank you. Yeah. I wouldn't show this to my mom. No, or yeah. hanging on a wall. Or hanging, no. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Maybe in a country where they don't speak English. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> uh, yeah, but a lot of things happen like that, you know? Well, it's true. It's all about your own sort of barometer of what's good and what's bad. Yeah. And, you know, 
whose opinion matters and that kind right. of thing. And I think that can be really hard sometimes because I think people who create stuff are just naturally self-critical, mm-hmm. maybe not overtly, but I think most people have it maybe more than others. Truly. And so it's like, even if you did something that you think is great, like if you don't get some recognition for it from, you know, the right people, then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, I, I didn't succeed. Right. And every situation exists. I mean, you can have commercial success, but be kind of ashamed of your work. Yeah. You can have commercial success for something that you're really proud of. You can have commercial failure for something that you're proud of. And you can have commercial failure for something you're ashamed of. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> People could be like, yeah, that, that blew. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, so I guess, you know, the apex would be commercial success for something that you're really proud of. Yes, that yes. would be amazing. There you go. All right. And well, I, that's and it. I that's the answer that. to the podcast. Yeah, I, there you go. Yeah. Out of the, the four permutations, that's the one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Commercial success for something you're proud of without being too attached to maintaining that. Because then you get, like, that's a point in time, you know? Right. And then you get to the point of, like, all right, now what? Because yeah. that's always the question. Yeah. Like, that's great that you did that amazing thing. You worked your whole life up to this point, and I'm going to completely pop the balloon and deflate everything you're feeling right now by being like, okay, right. now That what? was awesome, but that was like last month. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing next? What are you doing the rest of your life? What are you doing life? now? That's, that's really funny, too, because that's another question I have about, you know, when is enough enough? Mm-hmm. And maybe the answer is never. It's, it's if you work in, you know, an arts field or whatever, you continually feel like you have to create something new Mm -hmm. so like you make the perfect album or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. hugely successful you know why don't you just retire you know yeah well that's partly because you owe the record company money i guess (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's why i think people are interested in the stones and led zeppelin and yeah you know whether people do or don't get back together and do reunion tours or just the idea of reunion tours in general yeah you know it just sounds like it's either the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. Well, it seemed like there was one point, I don't know how long ago, but the re, the idea of the reunion tour was like, ugh, they're just, you know, they're and just no, cashing in. And then everyone mm-hmm. did it, you know, and it's like, well, why not? I wonder if that happened around the recession or Napster. Maybe, maybe. Because yeah. remember, too, when it was lame for bands to be in commercials? Yeah, absolutely. It was like taboo to yeah. like sell your stuff and then, you know, like... No, Led Zeppelin doesn't do it, and then they did. And then, right. oh well, the Who they don't do, it. and then they did. Yeah, yeah. And I think <clears throat> iPod commercials changed that a lot too. Probably because that actually got to be a badge of honor. I mean, other commercials maybe weren't like something to be proud of, but I, iPod commercials were something to be proud of. I remember back when it was someone had done like a Budweiser commercial, and it, everyone was just like shocked. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it was Eric Clapton or, or mm-hmm. Neil Young or, or something where that was like one of the first ones where the people were like, ooh, that's distasteful. But now no one would think twice. Never, no. And partly maybe it is, you know, the technology is changing. And so the only way sometimes you can, you know, quote, make it as a band or, or get wider exposure is to do a licensing mm-hmm. thing. Well, yeah, and plus to that me, stuff can pay like so ridiculously much more than, you know, a you, digital yeah, download. You got to <laughs> look for where there's actually a budget. Yeah. You know, and the budget has evaporated for record sales. And people are on the fence about whether for touring and live shows. I mean, it's that used to be a great way to make money. Yeah. And that became increasingly harder. In my world, I don't know about some other people, maybe they're doing it a different way. Mm -hmm. But we went from a bus back to a van. Right. Which was fun. 
but like in a novelty kind of way. <laughs> like, isn't this great? We're getting yeah. back to our roots. Glad we don't have to do this for more than a week. Yeah. Well, we it was like a it was when we were on tour with Blondie and Pat Benatar. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to keep up with the, their buses in our van. <laughs> and it was I mean it was cool. That was a great tour, but it's hard to go backwards and. Um, the, well, the recession in Napster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people, know, quote, selling out. Yeah, yeah, and where the budget is. You know, we got to, like, consider, like, where is their money? And it used to be in record sales and with record labels, and now it's happens to be... You have to kind of go through this channel of TV and film. Yes. That's yeah. where the money is. And to me, that's where the excitement is, because it's where something is actually happening. So when I was working at Taxi, that was fun, because um, I could listen to music and think, you know, if I forward this, it might go somewhere right. that people will hear it. Because right, people right. watch TV and movies, they don't really listen to the radio. Yeah. And even if they do listen to Spotify or iTunes now, it's not like they're going to get, the musicians are going to get any money for that. No, it's true. And it's not like sometimes, I, I don't even know if sometimes people, when they're listening to the station, to really pay attention to who the artist is. I'm sure you know, they're, you know, I'll say exceptions. I, I've really enjoyed, like, Spotify. Mm-hmm. I don't feel... Well, per, I feel like the world owes me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. But, yeah. but it doesn't so go the think, other way. I don't feel that guilty. <laughs> but uh, but um, I feel like I've found a lot of new music by mm. just the format, the way it's laid out, and the yeah. way that you can search bands. Yep. It's conducive to the way my mind thinks about yeah. music. Yeah. So I really enjoy that. It might just be the black background as opposed to white. I don't know. Sure. But <laughs> I've, been, I've been toying with iTunes, the, their new music. Oh, yeah situation yes and that's fun too but i'm always afraid with spotify i'm not afraid i'm gonna get charged for something mm-hmm. and with itunes i'm always afraid like if i am i just getting charged for everything i click on right yeah now? did i sign up for a subscription <laughs> unknowingly or did they change the terms because there's something about three months free are they scanning and, my retina right yeah, yeah three like, months free three months that's all you gotta watch out for that three i put free. reminders on my calendar <laughs> really on my iCal though oh that's uh-huh. smart maybe it doesn't go I- in and erase them i know right uh, Got to be, got to worry about that. But I think, I think it, they're great services. But when you really think like I'm a musician, what would really excite me mm-hmm. is if I was watching Orange Is the New Black and one of my songs came on. Yeah, you for know sure. when, when I hear, which is weird. I mean, I would not have known that or predicted that ten years ago. But that is truly like what's exciting to me. And when I hear the opening credits with that Regina Spector song, mm-hmm. every time I'm like. I'm a little jealous, but really like admiring what she did and what they did and that, yeah. that everyone had the foresight to think like that's the good choice because right. it is. It's right. so effective. And it goes with the visuals so well. And since there's no MTV really and no videos anymore, putting visuals with music is really only happening in TV and opening credits are the only time that it actually is artistic. Yeah. I mean, there's still like, quote, movie soundtracks, but you yeah. know. Those well, and there are not nearly the same. Too. Yeah, not nearly the same because of the explosion of cable shows and you mm-hmm. know, and stuff. And I I always think that that seems like doable to me. Mm-hmm. Unlike you know, getting a record deal, which just right. seems stupid now. It's like no, getting a show. I mean, getting a song on a show because I have plenty of songs on shows. I don't have it on Orange Is the New Black, but mm-hmm. that seems like attainable to me. Mm-hmm. Like even as an you know independent musician doing stuff. Um, you know, without a record label, it's right. like, sure, if you get the right placement person, you know, yeah, you mm-hmm. could, you could totally, the next song you get placed could be on something really big. Well, and what's interesting too is now record deals are, are commonly including publishing. 
Yeah. Which they never used to touch before. Right, right. Well, they so have even to. if you do get the big record get their deal, fingers into all of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're looking at where the budget is too. Yeah. I mean, they also have a nut to make, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, did you? I mean, when you you sort of came up through starting on the indie label and then you know moving to the major and then moving off the major, which is you know, were you, were the Donnas affected sort of by that change in the record industry? Majorly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, our I always say that our Recession started five years before everyone else's. Yeah, right. And by the time 2008 came around, I was like, come in, the water's horrible. Well, the <laughs> labels were all folding and conglomerating, yeah. and you know, people were just getting purged left and right. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to your second record on a major label, everyone that you were working with on your first record is already gone. gone. Yeah. And you people don't know who you are. And don't care. And we never were a band that fit in to a pair, you know... A, a paradigm. They didn't have a set of things like, oh, put them on this show and that show and do this and that. They'd be like, oh, we don't know what to do with you. Which is so bizarre because it seemed like... Yeah, it's not rocket science, rock and roll. No, because from before that point, it was just like, it looked to me from an outsider's view as like straight sort of rise, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how Well, yeah, it, we had a really slow and steady incline. Yeah. And that helped... In many ways. I mean, with our sanity and with our credibility and just everything. It, yeah. it made everything better. And, you know, I think the steeper your incline, is, the steeper your fall is. Yes, that's true. But then, and then you made it sort of up the mountain, mm-hmm. you know. And your first record with Atlantic did great, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then the second record, there was just a series of mishaps. The, the big one was that we were guinea pigs for this, the dual disc which was a DVD and a CD. Uh, and somehow... At a higher price point somehow? Uh, I don't know. If, I think that we had negotiated to make it you know, affordable because okay. we are you know, punk fans. Like We don't want to... Yeah, yeah. But what happened was the day that it shipped, at like 10 a.m., we started getting calls. It's getting returned. It's getting returned because it's defective. Oh, my God. Yeah. So someone had not checked it and there was the last half of the last song was missing or the last 30 seconds. So that threw off our whole record cycle because your first day sales, how many ship and then how many sell and how many are returned is what determines your radio play and your radio play is what determines everything. And so we And was this literally the entire production of of disc? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was just like a curse. Yeah. And random like being struck by lightning. Right. When we had had so many miracles happen in the other direction before, yeah. which it takes to get to that point. It takes miracle after miracle after miracle after right. miracle. And then this one thing happened, and it was like this mousetrap domino scenario where it was just like, brr, done. And, I mean, it did well. We toured. And it was great. And mm-hmm. I love that record. But This is gold medal? Gold medal, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, we just weren't really... What did they do? Did they reship or like yeah, I kind mean, of? But you know, by then people are like, this one's fucked up. I'm not buying it. <laughs> yeah. It just, after that first day, there was no real saving yeah. the numbers, you know? Right. And then what, did someone from the label, did you have to have like that talk at some point about like, well, it's, your numbers really aren't, you know, where we were looking for them to be and we're changing direction or or was it just? That whole record cycle, they were really on our side and mm-hmm. we, everything was great. Um, and then the next record we started writing, we did a lot of writing and we wrote with different people for the first time, Mm -hmm. which was cool and really fun, but also kind of felt like, 
a, a little bit of an obligation. Like was it they, the record company's idea? They they suggested it, and yeah. we were open to it. Sure. Um, you know, we wrote with Guy Chambers and Dave Stewart, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it was really fun. But it was also kind of hard to keep the focus because then you're sort of like once it's when it's the four of us in a room, we don't have to ask the question of like what does that sound like us. Yes. You know, it just yeah. is us. But when you bring another person in, then you have to question like that. I don't know. Does that sound like us or not? You know? So that was a little strange. And then through that process, uh, they let us, they let us go without having. You're like ties. in the middle of writing it and they're just like, sorry later. No, no. Like it was a mutual thing. Oh, okay. They were like, we don't know what to do with you. And we were like, yeah, we don't really know what we're doing here. And then we, we ended up starting our own label and re- releasing that record. Right, right. With uh, the distribution company Red Red Eye. Was that bitchin'? Yeah, and they actually put up money for our video. Oh, great! So there are all these other avenues to get funding for things. Yeah, and this was it, two thousand eight or something. Oh my god. I'm trying to sure. think of like what was the yeah inter- 2008. Yeah, what was the internet situation at that point? Oh my gosh! I mean, it wasn't like now where. You know, people do that all the time, do crowdfunding and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably slightly before all that. I don't know. Yeah, we could have done like a, you know, there was um, a crowdfunding project mm-hmm. that at the end of Atlantic, maybe at the beginning of our own label, we were working with a guy and that was kind of, we were going to try that out as something bigger than Kickstarter, more organized. Right. But it was a was lot that of the guy like, in New York or something. Yeah, it got weird. Yeah. Yeah. It got I, weird. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> Enough said. Yes. Yeah. But uh, there was a meeting in Elysian Park at one point and Wow, yeah. all right. Yeah. That sounds legitimate. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, uh meth ring <laughs> record label. Oh yeah, okay. One of those. No, but I mean that. we did we were trying to like figure out how to navigate the times yeah and we were considering whatever we could but um you know it turned it turned out we were able to release that record on mm-hmm. our own which was great and we toured some more on that record and yeah i mean it, it was fine the situation was fine yeah well i know you have like a large and fervent fan base yes for the time yes. <laughs> they're constantly clamoring for you they do they they have nice things to say a lot yeah for sure I mean, that's got to be nice. And then there's the other side of nice, which is we should probably talk about, which is you were constantly being labeled like the girl band. Mm-hmm. And I know you were always, the whole band was always like, what the fuck? We're just a rock band, you know? Right. It's, like the, it's not like, oh, you're a guy band right. you know, who plays rock. It, that would never happen. Did, did that like always make you guys feel like like you wouldn't really be successful until you got out of that or did it just make you angrier or more motivated? I guess both. I mean, there were times it depended on who was talking and what their tone of voice was. And yes. You know, what mood we were in. I mean, yeah. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I know at that point in my life, I kind of was ready to be offended. Yeah. It was sort of like part of my identity. Well, and you'd done it for so long and, so I was been offended for so long. I was expecting it. Yeah. You know, and any like sign of it, I was like, oh yeah, that, oh, are you saying we're good for girls? Yeah. Because you know? it had been said so many times and it yeah. probably was going to be said. Right. Said, you know, but I, it's possible I looked for that where it wasn't even there. 
So I, I would say I had a chip on my shoulder and I was pretty jaded. But then at other times too, it was like, you know, if it's not that, it's going to be something else. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's either that we're girls and that's how we're getting pigeonholed or it'll be the town that we're from or it would be our socioeconomic status. Is that Palo Alto sound? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. If we were, you know, a mixture of guys and girls, it would have been mm-hmm. something else. And, and every band has it, you know? It's true, yeah. So and in that way, when you when you zoom out a little bit, you're like, okay, fine. Like I can either be like, Oh, this is my cross to bear. Or I can just take it, you know, with a little bit of dignity and, and not focus on the negative and be like, okay, well, yes, it's true that we're a girl band, but also like, let me direct your attention to what we do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's true. Well, what do you think? I mean, is there really any more sort of discussion to be had about quote women in the music business? Cause I know, Back when you guys were coming up, it was always like, oh, the girl band or, oh, the girl fronting the band. or mm-hmm. but I, And I feel like that's really antiquated by now, but I, I don't know, obviously. Right. Um, I mean, I think until women make a dollar for every dollar a man makes, yeah. it's going to be yeah. an issue. Yeah. And, and I don't mean that as an equality, like an eye for an eye, but, you know, there's still huge inequality and there's still just crazy misogyny out there. And also, I mean, when you think about like the, the attitude in America compared to say Europe, people understood in Europe that our song take it off was an order. And that it was a gender role reversal. Right. And that that yeah. was like the, the whole point of the song. Yes. And here in America where it's our native language that seemed to, that point was lost on people. And it was, it was sort of surprising. I was I was amused and disappointed. I think that you hear about that happening so often, mm-hmm. though, where like you know some Republican presidential candidate will be using like a mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen song that is totally right. inappropriate right. for you know the message the and just USA. like yeah, and having no concept. Yeah. People don't. It's either they don't listen to lyrics or they don't listen to them critically or something Mm -hmm. it was like born in the usa yeah that sounds good totally i don't know what he said in the rest of the song it's crazy but i mean even like nina simone had the same experience she would go to europe and be treated with respect yeah you know they're just there's a little more diversity and appreciation and tolerance over there was it the same thing as far as like crowds when you toured was it always just better to tour in Europe or not necessarily. Or? I mean, our crowds here were amazing because it was people who chose to come to our shows. Yeah. When we got weird attitudes, it was usually at festivals where we were mixed in with a bunch of other people or on radio where we were sort of shoved in front of a certain DJ or morning <laughs> show yeah. that didn't necessarily want us there. Yeah. And you know, we didn't want to be awake. Our hangovers hadn't even kicked in yet. Right. You know? Yeah. And we were just like, <laughs> <laughs> What about, did you, you know, going way back to the beginning to your fourth grade talent show, did you have a concept of success back then? Because I always think back to, Mm -hmm. you know, when you first get into something like, you know, Van Halen and you have to have your own plane and, Mm -hmm. you know, rec hotel rooms, like, man, that's the best Mm -hmm. or or whatever. Did did you have back? Yeah, I had none of that at all. Like, I never, ever had dreams when I was younger about being on stage with spotlights and applause and <laughs> never, never. That was not my Brett, dream. Brett, Brett. <laughs> never. <laughs> so it was, it was funny. And it's funny cause it is so many people's dream. 
Yeah. And it's a little weird because I'm not exactly sure what my dream was, which has been a problem <laughs> in my life. Well, it seems like you almost accidentally sort of was like, well, now I'm in a band, and then it just sort of kept rolling. Yeah. Until yeah, it, it didn't. just grew incrementally. Yeah. Uh, which is great because then you don't have time to think about it. But yeah, that wasn't my goal. And, and then, you know, which is great. And I don't think for anyone in my band. And I think it's great because then that didn't dissuade us when. Right. You know, we came to that fork in the road where it was like, are you going to go, are you going to drop the instruments and dance and go for the top? Or are you going to like <laughs> stay true to your roots and be, you know, authentic? And it, that wasn't even a question. Right. It wasn't, and it wasn't like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a trope yeah. to be authentic. It was just like, well, clearly that's what we're going to do. We're just going to do what we do. Was there any division in the band about that? Like one person's like, no, we have to be more commercial and, you know. No, I mean, I think Mm. at different times, different people felt like certain ventures were less of a soul tax than other ventures. Yeah, Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, to me, the idea of a reality show is like complete soul erosion. And, but we had to entertain that avenue to look like we were game. Right. You know? Yeah. And which I understand too. So I was I was down to to appear like I was gonna really consider it, but I would definitely bail yeah. out. Well, at we'll the have our minute. lawyers look at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we made some pilots. You did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And so that's another weird way for like, okay, you're a band, but how's another way that you? It, what's another way that you can tap into budgets that are out there in the world? Right. Like a reality show is another way you could do that. But for me, it's so far removed from the original thing. Like how getting a song on a a show that I love is so much more of an accomplishment than having a reality show. Right. Because, uh, well, I can definitely see that because what you're doing is the music, you know, it's not the reality show right. of, of your day to day life. Right. Or like photo shoots, you know, we did yeah. so many photo shoots and it's such, it's such a far removed aspect of the, the world that you're in. But then you start to think about it and you're like, I did a whole tour that was just press. We never played a single show. And it was, like, so removed. Like, it's meta. Like, we're talking about playing music. And we're yeah. posing in in ways that, you know, evoke an idea of music. Of music you know, wearing clothes, we're... like, music-like clothes. Uh-huh. Like everything's about music, but nothing was music. We're not actually going to play. Yeah. yeah. Which was, like, spiritual blue balls to the nth degree. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also part of, it seems to me, like, the record company or just the entertainment industry machine. It's, like... You know, even if you make a movie or whatever, it's like, mm-hmm. well, the movie's not going to sell itself. So yeah. You got to get out there and get on all the talk shows and, you know, do well, your interviews, blah, blah, blah. That's it's almost like your obligation of, you know, well, we're putting out your record. So if you yeah. want to sell, that's part of the job. Do. I mean, you there, I always think of it as like concentric circles where in the middle there's the creation. Yep. Then there's the presentation, which is so like creation is writing the song and recording the song. Presentation is playing, performing live. And then representation is any kind of press or, you know, re-presenting it. Right. Any kind of press reviews. And that's not, that's not really your job. But you, as a really successful artist or musician, have to be able to navigate between those rings with some kind of dignity and grace. And that yeah. is really difficult. Is that something you had to learn or were you a natural like the Beatles? Uh, were they naturals at that? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know how much of it was staged, but you know, when they came to America, they always came off as so charming and you know, that's true. Yeah, they were witty. good. At, they were good at press. Uh, I mean, I know some bands have PR training and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We 
definitely did not need that. I mean, we're all big talkers. Yeah. Um, and it's easy, I think, to read a situation and, and be like, okay, how can we make the best of this? You know, at yep. one point we had broken into twos and we're doing an interview and the guy was really hung over and I was like, just give me your microphone, I'll interview her. And I just Perfect. interviewed Tori and it was, you know, it's, it's fun. To me, that's another, like, when things are good, when things are bad, I'm like, oh my God, why are we talking about music all day when we could be playing music? Yeah. And then when things are good, it's like, okay, here's a situation with these parameters. How can I push the boundaries and get the most out of this? You yeah. Know? And it's not, it's not limitations on a song. It's not like a time limit, but it's like, we're still creative people. We're still talking about our product. Yeah. Which I don't like in to call it In a creative way. Yeah, in a creative way. So it is part, I was just going to say, it's like you are creating something. Totally. Even if you're acting, you know, you get into the realm of, literally presentation and, and yes. deciding how you want to present yourself and the music and right. keeping yeah. people interested that way. So you can bring some of that inner circle into the outer rings if you really mm. think about it Inner circle hard into enough. the outer rings. Yeah, I yeah. Like, like yeah. the yeah, the creation of, you know, I'm not going to just answer these questions in an obvious way. Yeah. Like, in fact, I mean, a lot of times I would just be so bored with their questions that I would just have whatever I was thinking about in my life. And they would ask a question, I'd kind of answer it, but then just... Start just talking about what... Pretty you, much talking about what I'm thinking yeah, about. Yeah, that's and, great. And it's narcissistic and self-centered, but it's also a little bit of a favor. I know that sounds really... No, really I know exactly what you mean. Egotistical, yeah. but it's a little bit of a favor because it's like, you wouldn't even know to ask me this. Yeah. You know? And, and it's like, you know, the interviewer wants to get something interesting that's like, yeah, and people haven't heard before. Especially if they've studied it in school, they probably are really backed into a corner of what they know to ask. Yeah. But if it, I mean, and then sometimes someone will interview you or they'll have an idea for a photo shoot that blows your mind and you respect like, them so much. Uh -huh. They get something out of you that you didn't know you had. Yeah. And, you know, uh, producers can do that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's an opportunity to be creative at every level. You just have to remember that. I mean, that's like a, like a life met, uh, life philosophy, you know, but it's, a, it's, and that's a matter of like, if you're just being grateful for what you have or not. Cause you know, I always used to use the threat of like, Oh, I could be working at a desk, you know, I could be working at a desk, but I'm on tour. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. I should be happy. And that's not necessarily true. Cause then, cause I was happy when I was working at a desk as well, <laughs> right? because you I was like, I could, be, I could yeah. be, you know, like laying foundations for buildings, you know, I could be doing that. I could be working with my hands. And then, you know what, if I was doing that, I could be happy yeah. too. You just don't know. It's like all yeah. in your attitude. Yeah. But it's ironic. And it gets back to what you were saying before about complaining about your successes, or I can't remember mm -hmm. how you put it, but you know, the notion that I've heard other artists say this of, you know, man, and it's just, having to do press and get up in the morning and it's like, why, you know, just let the music speak for itself. Whereas there are so many people who are like dying mm -hmm. to get press, uh -huh. killing, you know, paying money mm -hmm. to try to get press and have anyone interview them at all about yeah. their music. Any so, attention. Yeah. yeah. It's just funny that you can get to the level where you're like, oh, another person wants to talk to me about me. Yeah. So ridiculous. It's crazy, <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's amazing how quickly those thoughts start to pop into your head. Yeah. And when they first do, how shocked at yourself yeah, you are. Yeah, you're like, you're oh, like I cannot terrible. believe. Like, because you're really, it's like very close, those times where no one was paying attention. You would have died for someone to be like, are you? Yeah. Did you? You know, like, 
You yeah. would have been so grateful for you that. You would have like just stopped to talk to them. And yeah. Like, oh totally. yeah. Ask me whatever you want. <laughs> Which I mean, like I fully done. Like I'm a psycho fan. Oh my God. Come sit down. It's like if you've been a waiter or waitress and you know, yes. and then the first times that you're being served, you're like so polite. And right. then once you get further away, you're like that. She's just not doing her job. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> I'm, just not, I'm not giving her to. I think it's hard to maintain two positions in your mind at once. Yes, cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. uh, I believe they call that, mm -hmm. or something, or maybe something else. Well, what, I mean, that's, maybe that's like the quandary of, you know, why people can't stop, you know, because mm -hmm. you get to a certain level, it's like the goldfish grows to the size of its bowl or, or, mm -hmm. or whatever. So the next level, you're like, if only we blah, 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 got signed to a major mm -hmm. label, or if only we had a tour bus, you know, and then once you get that, you're like, Man, if only uh, whatever yeah. it is, you know, it's almost like you can't ever just be happy with well, it. If you are just happy with what you have, like, where's the motivation to do more? Right. You you kind of have to invent these new goals. True. Otherwise, you're you have nothing higher to aim for. But what if it's like? I guess it's different if you set out to do something and you're like, well, now I have achieved it, and maybe I can walk away. Or something, because I also want to garden or, or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, I, I don't know for, for most artists if that's the way it works. Because yeah. a lot of times I see people getting into other things in the arts. That's true. It's like they start painting or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. They start writing. Because they, they have a creative urge and they want an outlet for it, mm -hmm. whether it's going to be successful or not. Right, and if you start with a new medium, you have to start at the bottom and build it up again. And that's kind of yeah. part of the fun of it. Yeah, it's like learning something new. Mm-hmm. And I found, too, that it just improving, like you were talking about, you know, feeling like you were limited as to the kind of vocals you do or the kind of ideas you have. Even if you're not you know, making a major label record, you're expanding, like you're doing other musical projects mm -hmm. where you're doing very new things that mm -hmm. can be really personally fulfilling and, you know, growth-oriented. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, for human beings is definitely part of, you know, success and, and well-being. Yes, and it's it's kind of a, a moment of truth, too, because you think, you know, while you're focused so much on one thing and the limitations, you're thinking, oh, if I didn't have these limitations, I'd do this and this and this. And then one day, you don't have those limitations, and it's like, oh, what were you going to do again? Yeah. Uh -huh. And you're like, oh, I think I was... Uh, I need to clean the house and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. it's really a... It's, it's like a you're getting called on what, you know, whatever you were thinking and I mean, it's all in your head. There's no real audience. Or maybe there is. I mean, maybe like your significant other was there all along and you've been saying all this stuff. Yeah, maybe. You know, sometimes there's a witness, but. Sometimes yeah. I feel like promises to yourself, like you want to keep them just because yeah. you're like, well, I'm a person that does what I say. Yeah, or, well, that's yeah. like your, that's your integrity. Yeah. But I mean, I had that career wise. Like I used to be on the bus and I'd always daydream about being a yoga instructor <laughs> and a chef. Nice. And when it, That's pretty when good. It, my schedule finally opened up and I really looked at the realities of those two professions, everything I thought they were, they weren't. And everything I thought they were free of that was in my current world mm -hmm. was still totally there. Yeah, of the course. The competition, yeah. the recognition, like all that stuff. Like Time I, constraints, you know, yeah, stress. Yeah, yeah, I thought like, oh, here's the way to get away from these feelings. And that's just like wherever you go, there you are. And, <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was enlightening and, and it was disappointing, 
But I feel like that with music uh, as well, where, you know, there's these things I always wanted to try and always wish I could do. And then like, I'll be in the studio and I'm like, I can do as many harmonies as I want yeah. in this song. Yeah. And then I realize like, there's a such thing as too many harmonies. Too many, yep. Even if you have no, even if you're not doing a kind of music that, that it, there's a limit naturally. You Even if there's no natural limits. Limit. Yeah. yeah, like you have you have no real limits. You're not in any particular genre. And still, there's a, a point where it becomes like, you know, all the colors of the rainbow just turn brown. Yeah, it's like the talent show. Yeah. Yeah. Too totally, much. Totally, totally. Trying to cram into one thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, I just took an, a music appreciation class. And so he's talking about overtones as like the light in music. Mm. And we were talking about how if, if you're using too many harmonies, it's like you're mixing paint. And it turns brown. Right. But if you're using just the right amount of harmonies, it's like light. And when you put all the colors together, it's yeah. white. Oh, yeah. And that's like the overtones. It's like a ray of sunshine. Yeah. Painting. And that's how you know if it sounds like it's it's turning into light or if it's turning into mud. Yeah. I can totally get with that. That makes <laughs> very good sense to me. It's a prism. <laughs> well, what? Because now you are doing your own thing, mm -hmm. you know? Um yeah, you know, and it's again. We were just talking about like recording. You know, you've got an EP that you're mm -hmm. going to put out. We obviously have an album that mm -hmm. could be put out. I've got Give stuff me. that could be put out, mm -hmm. and it's like, what the fuck do you do with this stuff nowadays? You know, Man. you don't have the record label who's setting up all the press. So, do you try and get press on your own, or do you just release it digitally? It's it's you know. It's funny because it, it is like the unlimited world now. Like mm -hmm. you can just release it anywhere, but then you need to impose some limits. Otherwise, it's mm -hmm. watered down and mud. Yeah, and in a, in a positive way, it's like the playing field is leveled now. And yeah. so anyone has a chance, mm -hmm. but everyone has a chance. Right. So in order to stand out, it takes more work. And more creativity, I feel like, almost. And more mm -hmm. resources. Like mm -hmm. people, you really have to be like crafty and... Yeah. And work really hard and at like different things that you wouldn't normally have done. Right. There's there's no sure thing. Yeah. And there kind of used to be like if you got in with these certain people, like you're in. For sure. You know. For sure. Then it's like the, this label has a deal with this with Clear Channel, and you're just gonna be you're gonna have a leg up on everyone else. Now it might be like uh you know the good review from Pitchfork, maybe it's still. A thing. Maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean the placement on the right show. Yeah, and I mean, I don't the way you measure it too. Like heavy row on MTV was a big thing when we had it. Yeah. And now, I mean, that's nothing. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I love MTV, and I will always love MTV, but it's yeah, that's not a way to measure anymore. Well, and I know people complain so much about. I don't. I think I put it on here. I don't know. Someone about streaming and how you just, maybe it's Will I Am or something, mm -hmm. said there was, you know, one million streams and he got like $3,000 or something. Oh, it's right. It's like completely yeah. unsustainable, yeah. you know? Well, so that's Which another... that would be a huge record, you know, right. back on terrestrial radio. Right. But now it's like, hmm, well, I mean, it's, it's a huge record anyway. But that but if you success just and that exposure it, could have allotted you the freedom to completely indulge in your creative life, you know, and, and yeah. now it doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that the way it used to be was that you would make this product, which is your record, and then you'd sell that product. Mm -hmm. And now you're make, you're making a record and you just want as many people to hear it as possible. 
So now that's your marketing tool. Right. When it used to be your product. Right. It's true. It just takes a different part in the economic structure. And it's weird to think of it like that. Like something that you used to count on for your main source of income is now freely given out. And you want as many people to hear it as possible. And so when like Metallica and the Napster Wars were happening and everyone was trying to figure out how, a way to like close the valve on that mm-hmm. on that flow, that was the opposite way of looking at it that they should have been looking at it. I mean, it's, it's like the dam broke. You know, we're not yeah, going to restrain put it back that flow yep. anymore. Now you need to think completely oppositely and, and, and then let it go and then add to it. Yeah. You know, not only can anyone get your songs, everyone should get your songs right. and hear it. Right. And then once everyone hears it and it's familiar, then maybe it'll get picked up for something that actually has a budget, you know? Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say, that the goal now is more to not think of your music as the product that mm-hmm. you're selling, but to think of it almost as like the promotional material yeah. to get you other work, yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So it's like the more people who are listening to your song, you know, the more likely you are to be recognized by, you know, licensing people or, right. or whatever, yeah. people who can give you paying work. And that is actually like the new unit. It's not airplay or mm-hmm. rotation and MTV, but like hits and likes and, yeah, you know, the, it is sure. a quantifiable. It's quantifiable. It still, is. It's just in a new way. And they're getting better at quantifying. Yeah. yeah. And placing ads on it. Which is weird and creepy because I don't personally like what you have to do in order to get that kind of attention Mm -hmm. that like constant content bothers me because I just come from a different generation. I just don't want to put videos and you know, and the whole like you had to keep putting up, you could write everything or you could put a picture, which is worth a thousand words, or you could put a video, which is worth 10,000 pictures. You should be tweeting every day about something, you know, engage with your fans. Totally. And that's just so weird to me because I don't even want to do that with my friends. Honestly, like I don't want to be in constant contact with anyone. Yeah. Well, that's literally being on that promotional thing like yeah. all the time, yeah. every day of your life, you know, and now you're in charge of it. So it's not like just show up at eight and get asked a bunch of questions by dumb journalists. It's like, well, now I have to come up with like cool things to say and to tweet out. Oh and, my God. You know. And when you see people who really shine in that realm in real life, they're like slack jawed hayseed yokels. Right. In real life, I mean, it's like, just let me like, turn my back and tweet at you. It'll be better. Seriously, or, or like a like a, you know, like a translucent skinned hairless being suspended in nutrient fluid. You know, just yeah. like, but like online. Oh my god, yeah, it's you know? insane. Yeah, like Shakespeare. Yeah. Or in World of Warcraft, my biceps are like tree trunks. Right. You know, <laughs> and meanwhile, it's like a ten year old kid like in bed. I don't even, you know, comp- I, I don't think negatively about it or really complain about it. I just think, well, you know, that's how it is now. So I yeah, don't... Yeah, I, don't, I sound like I'm complaining, but I've kind of accepted that no, it's no, no, not no. my style. I just meant there, you know, I know what you mean, and it's not my style either. Mm-hmm. I, I, And I just can't process information stream constantly. I mean, yeah. you know, I have too much else to do, including like writing songs and stuff. <laughs> well, I think the reason I think it's not my style is that I just know that I can't go in and out of that mentality yeah. easily. You know, if I'm, I'm either in my phone portal, like I'm sucked into the right. vortex or I'm fully present. Right. And my phone is like in another room. But if I'm, I can't be like, I can't have one foot in. Right. There's no right. such state in my reality. You need the phone stack. Phone stack. <laughs> That's the best thing we ever did. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, 
I just feel like that's the way the world is now, and mm-hmm. I'm sort of intrigued by it and want to figure it out in some way. Well, but that's as far as limitation, that would be, you know, if you just looked at it like every other limiting situation, yeah, like the chessboard, where if you didn't have boundaries, all the pieces would just diffuse, and no one, you know, the pawns mm-hmm. and the knights would never meet, you know. That's right. <laughs> but we keep getting bounced back into the center, right? And that's what makes it interesting. And so, if you were to just apply that way of thinking to now how we have to promote ourselves, like maybe there's a really easy, you know, thinking like, I don't know, Tim Ferriss and the four hour work week, like maybe there's a way to like spend one super ferocious focused hour on all your media and then the rest of the day, none. You know, there probably is. I'm sure. I mean, that might be it. Absolutely. You know, who knows? You'd have to try it. I know there. Yeah. You'd, and then I you'd have to, like in idiot, order to try it, you'd have to care. Because <laughs> people are listening to this, they're probably like, these people are idiots. So you, of course you can do that. There's an app and you just, yeah, it goes out to everywhere. Yeah. And I'm oh, sure yeah. there is. Well, no, there are all, all kinds of people have invented things. Like Reverb Nation is all yeah, linked and everything. It's genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I signed up for it and I don't use it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, I'm going to get my shows on there because then they show up on Google and... I didn't quite do it, and now I just get spam from them. But it's, the it exists, and it's really well yeah. uh, set up. And, well and I'm going to get to it. Sure, yeah. sure. I just need that hour alone with my phone. Or there are so many awesome website makers, mm-hmm. you know? And I, don't, I just, you have to like really care. And I sort of thought, okay, maybe if I make a record that, you know, is new that I'm super in love with and I really want everyone to hear it, like that'll be the new motivating thing. And mm-hmm. I really like our record and the stuff I'm working on, I really do love. Yeah. Um, and it does make me more motivated to step outside of what I think of as my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. To, to, I just have more intrinsic energy in order to do that. But at the same time, it doesn't really make something that was unappealing appealing. No, and it can be daunting to be like, you know, in the position that we both are of like, well, okay, what's the first step even? Yeah. You know, what are we going to work on first? The yeah. video, the website, you know. Photos. Photo, yeah. I mean, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> really basic things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's taking basic. us years to do. And every step is sort of this like crippling philosophical level of like, is this even important? Does this even matter anymore? Like, do we it's, need photos? Yeah. Especially after you've done it for so long. You're oh, like, yeah. really? I mean, why don't we just put the album out three years ago when it was like done? Right, right. When we finished it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sort of finished it. Because it had to ferment. It had to ferment. Yes. It had to ferment and get that smell. <laughs> that, that funk. Macrobiotic, probiotic smell. Yeah. yeah that funk on it. Yeah. And it's not quite there yet. No, uh, it's not no. funky enough. Clearly. Mm-mm. Well, also we're going, you know, by democracy now, so that's the that's worst true. political system except for all the others. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but so do you have a, like, have you decided what you're going to do? Because I, mm-hmm. people want to hear your songs, you know. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. They're um, good songs, I've heard. I've, you know, I've just been sending them around to people one by one. Yeah. And I kind of wait till people ask, uh, you know, I don't offer it. I don't bring it up. Um, and I figure at some point I'm going to work them up into a live situation. Cause mm-hmm. that's another thing I want. Another goal of mine, like talking about success, like to me, it would be a great success to be able to get on stage without my band who I'm comfortable with. Right. 
and feel comfortable. Cause I've just never felt like, well, actually I have, when I was playing with alpha beta, I felt really comfortable mm-hmm. on stage and that felt like a great success. Right. And there were frequently more people on stage than in the audience. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're like, I'm doing it. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, this is the, that was a goal of mine to get on stage and to play and have fun mm-hmm. and to be able to take risks and experiment because that's something with the Donna's I never really wanted to do because I, I wanted it. I, I really just wanted to give like a good show guaranteed. Yes. I didn't yeah. want to ever take enough of a risk that it would mess up. You know, yeah, I would yeah. take little risks, experimental, too but much. I, yeah. Uh-huh. And it also wasn't about me. It was like a group effort. So I didn't feel like I had the freedom to really like, like I'm going to go try this. Yeah. Thing. It wasn't the Brett Anderson band. No, or, yeah. no. If yeah. I had done that, I would have been selfish, you know, yeah. But, um, I mean, maybe at like a smaller show where the, you know, the pressure was off, we, we goofed around more and it was yeah, fun, but like around. when it's a bigger show, you want to kind of want to play it safe a little bit. No, yeah. absolutely. I can see that. And, yeah. and yeah, that's what that band was like, which is great to know you can do that. And like, I, and I'm so comfortable with that scenario and those people, but yeah, it was cool to find that level of comfort with some other people but the songs were a little bit frustrating because the tempos changed a lot. But I, wasn't that like a challenge that you felt good about? Like I mastered, you know, different yeah, time I mean, signatures. Yeah, and... yeah, different time signatures. That was great for a recording. Uh-huh. But when it came down to it, I found that I don't like to do that live because uh, it's really hard to dance to songs that t- change time signatures. True. Or they have too many good stops. Point. It's really frustrating. <clears throat> yeah. And I would see people in the audience like start to dance. Start, start to get to into the it. rhythm. And, and then, then you change it. we're changing and then they, they uh, get frustrated. Yeah. Interesting. It's just like a yoga teacher that like, hangs out and you know is correcting someone's posture for too long mm-hmm. and you're like you know we're all still in warrior <laughs> yeah, two yeah. over here like my arms are on fire yeah you know you need to be like aware of the pace and keep it going or a yoga teacher that mixes up right and left yeah i don't know if you've been in a class like that ever no i'm just assuming everyone does yoga but like i do sometimes if you go if they say life. okay now put your right arm i mean your left arm up oh yeah that like, switch <gasps> is it like hurts my yeah. heart and I could see that in the eyes of people in our audience. I was like, I'm sorry, guys. So I just, I like songs that flow a little bit more organically. Well, and you must be used to that from having done it so long where, you know, every song is a hit almost. And people, you can dance to it and everyone, people would sing along and, you know. Well, I think we had a really good balance of, of like, because those songs, the Donna songs had a lot of really good stops. Mm-hmm. So there were rhythmical anomalies but they work yeah they made sense in the context of the song it was still like maybe a surprise mm-hmm. but it was satisfying it felt good and i felt like a lot of our stuff in alpha beta was like it was cool and conceptually amazing to me because i didn't think of it <laughs> <laughs> but then like in practice it would it didn't leave you feeling good it felt frustrating I could see some bands, it's like better to listen to the record yes. than to see them live. Yes. Yeah. It's totally. Just a different experience. Or say I was still playing with that band, mm-hmm. I would maybe consider working up different versions live. Oh, yeah. That that hung on certain grooves for a longer time. Yeah. Then, Interesting. Yeah. Mm, pleasing the audience. Uh-huh. That's always a... Uh, you know, I think it's because every artist probably thinks that like, well, I, you know, I don't care what people think. It's, right. They can't understand it anyway. Maybe it's more with jazz or painters or mm-hmm. something. But I think everyone wants to have at least recognition from people, mm-hmm. you know, 
And I think you have to have some element of, uh, yes, I'm trying to connect with my audience. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what's the point, really? I mean, if, if you're just completely theoretically pure of, I'm just going to do this fucking crazy thing, mm -hmm. everyone's too stupid to get it. Right. I mean, I don't know if people can sustain that. That's a difficult long. one. Yeah. I mean, in a, the <laughs> it's best, okay to please people. The best live shows are when it's like a conversation between yeah. audience. Like you put something out and they give you something back and then it goes back and forth. And like, ideally it's like the, the bridge in Tacoma where like it's a little wave <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. off its hinges, you know, yeah. it grows exponentially. And, and that's like the way like a show, a live show is so exciting because it can be, turn into a total frenzy unexpectedly. Yeah. But you can't predict that. You can't control that. And, and you can do things, you can note what is keeping that from happening mm -hmm. and keep stripping those things away until you increase your chances. But you can't guarantee that'll happen every night either. Right, but you can definitely build more of the success blocks into mm -hmm. what you're doing. So And then you know it's on really, more occasions than not yeah, to connect. Yeah, I mean we had we had shows that felt really satisfying with the Donuts frequently yeah. where you know I felt like I could I could sort of guide the energy and we ha our show had, you know, based on our set list a, a, like a energetic like peaks and yeah. you know you yeah. kind of knew where they were mm -hmm. so you knew where to like hold back and you knew where to dig in and it would work with some audiences really well and some not and you know every once in a while you'd have a really bad audience and you'd like go for the dig in part knowing it wasn't going to work and just hating yourself for doing it yeah but then like if you have a shitty audience i don't know if we can swear if, oh yeah, I've if, been doing it all. Okay, the whole yeah. Time. If you have if you have a shitty audience and then you don't dig in there, then you feel like you failed yourself because you're like shortchanging your own show. And you can't tell sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like Yeah, you, you don't think know the audience is just they're not into it and then later people come up and they're like, that was amazing. Oh yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah. Really? Frequently Why the, didn't you come closer to the, the, the stage? <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's like I mean, that's why people are obsessed with live shows, and that's why people are obsessed with dating. Because it's like, do you, you <laughs> whoa, know, how do we? <laughs> like, do you go in for the kiss or not? It's all about reading another person oh, or a whole body of other people. You know, mm, mm -hmm. like, are you in tune with them? Can you, you know, read their body language and their energy and the the frequency? You know, wow, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, and, well, yeah, and courting record labels is the same way, or record labels courting you. It's like. You know, these people are saying all these amazing things, but are they really going to do it? Right, These right. people are really low-key, but I really respect what they do. Yeah. I mean, it's totally like dating. Yeah. Well, that goes back to, like, reading people, mm -hmm. I guess, which some people, I think, are just innately better at. Yeah. You know? And um, then there's other people, too, who are, like, crazy con artists, like... Yeah. You know, yeah. who you... You're super tight with them, and then one day they rip off the mask, and you're like, wow! <laughs> that was under there? I think my parents were always paranoid about everything, and so I just like don't ever trust people. Oh, know? so you're of the. So I just start at that. It's better to be disappointed and never be surprised. Yeah, exactly. Than like yeah. have high hopes and be let down. I mean, I'll you know I'll have to like let you you know a couple times or whatever to like. Right. Okay. My yeah, sure. Yeah. You're not just talking. Yeah. You're like a feral cat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a I'm like a stray dog where I'm like, you'll feed me? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm your best friend. Free for free? Why do I have to fight this other dog now? Yeah. But if you love me, I'll do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well when you have to get out of here, it's mm. uh let's see.
Any words out there for aspiring artists? Oh my gosh! All ages. Well, one one thing since we do have a little extra time, yeah, that I think it's interesting is thinking about like benefactors because mm. that was always a part of artists' lives. Patrons, yeah, yeah patrons. Classic. Robert Maplethorpe. You know, mm-hmm. he was not self-supporting by his own contributions. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. <laughs> you know, and and also studying about. The, all the classical composers, like they were state funded and they yeah. were limited in what they were allowed to express. And then they would get out from under that regime and have freedom. And it's mm-hmm. just interesting to see how all these things have been going on forever. And I've heard that sometimes they would put like secret symbols in the mm-hmm. art that they were doing to be like F you, you know? Yes. Yeah. Which is super. And that's, that's, that's exactly awesome. that. Like what can we get away with? Mm-hmm. And that's such a fun question to ask yourself. And I think learning to work in the, quote, system is kind of awesome, yeah. you know, and learning to play that game or, or whatever yeah. and, you know, oh, okay, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And you Yeah, know. and that's why I'll never feel bad about doing commercial work or yeah. something that's, you know, or getting paid even for something I've done. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you are made to feel guilty for getting paid for something. Oh, absolutely. To this day, I'll be like, Oh, you can just have the CD, like, you know, yeah. whatever. Or, like, people ask you how much, and you have to put a price on yourself. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, that is the worst. I know. Because the second it comes out of your mouth, it feels like you've undersold yourself and that you think you're the best thing in the world at the same time, no matter what the number is. Yeah, it's a real balancing act. I mean, like you guys said, you know, you had punk fans, and so you couldn't... It's like, well, we can't charge too much for the show mm-hmm. or the CD, because that's going to alienate our fan base, but... We can't lose money on the yeah. show, otherwise we can't do it. So what's, you know... Yeah, exactly. It was a fair price. Yeah. And and my brother was doing paintings for a while, and he had a he had a thing about, you know, he had to price his artwork. And he was like, if I price this at $30, people are going to see it as, like, cafe art that yeah. you could get, like, at Ikea. Yeah. And they'll treat it that way. And they'll like it for what it is, like that. But if I were to price it at $300, they would see it and appreciate it in a totally different way. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like yeah. that about shows that I go to at, like I go to Disney Hall a lot because mm-hmm. can, I can walk there from here. And, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll get the student, uh, student rush tickets where you just go in the morning and it's $10. Yep. And my expectations for those shows are so low and I have oh, yeah. great seats and it just... Because you know you can walk out. Oh my like, God, whatever. it's the greatest experience yeah. ever. And then I paid for Steve Reich and Steve Mackey last year and, you know, well, I didn't pay it, my boyfriend did, but it was full price and we, I mean, our expectations were so much higher, our standards were so much, and I felt us like criticizing more and it was just so interesting because really that show was so much more up my alley than... Uh-huh. Whatever show I, other I had been at, but um. but it's funny how you can tie it to the price where, you know, all of the shows could be of the equal caliber yeah. or whatever, you know, but your your expectations are tied to how much you paid for it. Right, because it's an investment. Yeah, like yeah. you invested in an, ex- in an experience. Yeah, it's true, and people can't afford often to do a lot of entertainment events or whatever. Right. That's another reason why you can see when you put on a show, you're like. You know, these people paid. Yeah. Maybe some of them, they paid a, a lot and they can't necessarily afford it. So we better kick ass. Yeah. You know? And be happy that they're there. Yeah. Whereas like for, yeah, for a long time on stage, my whole MO was like tough love. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, you guys can be better than that. Come on, come on. Sure. And then one day I realized that wasn't working 
It didn't. I mean, it kind of worked in its own way mm-hmm. because it's like negative motivation. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't make anyone feel good, you know. So then, uh, then when I realized that, I was like, oh, how about I just have the time of my life, and anyone that wants to come along can come along. Yeah, you for know? sure. And if I happen to have the flu, like, yeah, maybe I'll fake it a little bit until I forget that I'm sick, and you know, it takes a little bit of acting sometimes. Well, and I think it takes a little while to have a realization that you're in charge of these people's Mm -hmm. mood Mm -hmm. and what they're going to experience tonight. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a powerful thing that Mm -hmm. is, you know, they're like looking to you to like, okay, how are we going to feel? I mean, in in a way it's weird and it's like a big responsibility. Well, and there's so many ways that it can be done too. Like if I go see Andrew Bird play, Mm -hmm. I feel like performing for him is such an amazing catharsis that by being in the audience, we're like helping him yeah. channel something. Yeah. And I feel like this is awesome. Like he needs to do that and he needs me here in order for him to do that. And, you know, and I, I hear the music in a different it's like way. Spiritual. It's spiritual. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then I saw a band. I love the magnetic fields, mm-hmm. but Stephen Merritt, it seems like he doesn't like performing that much. And I almost felt bad. Like I, I was like, you know, I could just go home and listen to your record. If you yeah, right. like, would that help you more? Like, yeah. is that how you want me to appreciate you? Cause I could do that. <laughs> I didn't mean to hurt you like this. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, and I think part of it might be some hearing damage that he has. Mm, that, like, mm. literally, applause hurts his ears, which is the most ironic conundrum yeah. I've ever. I don't know if that's how you use that irony, but it just seems like a major quandary. Yes, you know, yeah. like I want, and that, and it kind of seems like some people are like that on a deeper level. Like the the accolades like hurt them, mm-hmm. or compliments hurt them. Yeah, and he he's a complicated person like that but i mean that's also kind of what i love about him and i don't expect him i don't go to his show expecting elton john right you know that would make me sad if he was like whipping out all the column you know all the shots well some artists you have different relationships with you're like this is my quiet artist who you know it's really deep and you expect their show to be just really sort of intense yeah you know if you go to see the xx or something Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a van halen show but but then i mean how many times have i wondered like does cat power resent her audience or even herself for like having the, the history and the precedent of like having these breakdowns and then people expect that and want it. And it's this totally well, tangential whole different, thing. Yeah. You know, well then it becomes, it's like meta experience. It's true. You know? It's wild. It's and like, I'm a musician, but really you just came to see me be like psychologically unstable. <laughs> right. Right. And you, I could see how you would resent an audience for that, you know? I mean, like the Brian Jonestown massacre. Right. I always thought, well, they're staging this, right? Because I saw them maybe three or four times, and every time there was some fight, and like you know, someone would get fired. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is just a shtick. Yeah. But apparently, Whereas, he's actually insane. I, I don't know. I mean, sure, who knows? Tegan and Sarah fight with each other on stage, you know, and I mean, like as twin sisters, that's really captivating. But yeah. Also, <laughs> also, like their music is amazing. Like, yeah. Cat Power's music is amazing. Right. And Brian Jonestown Massacre is amazing well, you music. Couldn't, so you couldn't get away with that. Right. Yeah. That would never happen if the music wasn't there right, to back right. it up. So it's kind of an interesting thing where, you know, you do have this tangential shtick that's happening, but neither... Well, yeah, the, the music could stand on its own, I think. Like, the, the shtick could not happen without the music, but the music could happen without... In all three of those cases, yeah. I think. Yeah. There are bands who are all shtick, and the music doesn't really hold up, and I, I find them... I can't think of a single one right now. 
No, I know what you mean. But I find it really yeah, frustrating. Yeah, just distasteful. Well, yeah. it's just like a huge step backwards for all of us. You know, it's like it's like if a girl is wearing a guitar. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, thanks a lot, girl. You just the huge step backwards for all of us. Right, wearing and not playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> awesome on that note. Well, hey, thank you so much. Thank you. That was amazing. Can't wait to hear the new albums. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Brett Anderson. Always great to sit down and chat with her. I really had a great time interviewing her. Uh, it is not without precedent. We were forced to interview each other once after a South by Southwest show, so felt like uh, old times. Albums. Yep. Everyone's got albums. The Strip Miners has an album done. Damn, the Radishes have an EP done. What are we going to do with those? I don't know. I'll let you know, though, uh, when anything happens on the web page in the news section. Also, if you've got any ideas <laughs> about that or about the podcast, uh, send me an email. PaulStinsonMusic at gmail.com. If you are on iTunes listening to this, please rate it or leave a review or whatever. Tell me what I'm doing, good or bad or otherwise. And making my way through the strip miners still, I also interviewed Holland on that same trip. That's Holland Greco, of course, on that same trip to L.A. where I talked to... uh, S.W. Loudon and Brett Anderson. It's funny because I live in New York now, but uh, most of the people I know are still out on the West Coast, so it gives me a good excuse to get out there. Anyway, that's it for the show this week. Uh, this time, for an outro music, I'm going to play a strip minor song called Admission Theme. It's really solely a Brett Anderson song. She wrote it, she sings it. I don't even think I played a note on this actual recording. (laughs) But it's a great song, and uh, it sort of, to me, highlights the other side of the Brett Anderson that, uh, you know, people don't know. If you only know her from the Donnas, then you're you're really missing out on a wide spectrum of what she can do. She's super talented and uh, great voice, great lyric ideas and uh here we go this one is admission theme by brett anderson and the strip miners and i'll see y'all on the flip side on make it big take it easy